Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers and social care. I'm Pierre F. J. Burton. And I'm Wendy Adams. So today's episode is a little bit different. Uh, we are today joined by another podcast host, uh, So Fry, who is the host of the Care Insights uh, with the Outstanding Society. So welcome, Zoe. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be on here. Thank you for inviting me to chat about our podcast podcast series together i've really enjoyed listening to the care exchange yeah and likewise i've been enjoying listening to yours so it just happens to be that both podcast series are kind of coming to the end of of their series so we just thought it'd be really interesting to have to sort of kind of reflect a bit on the guest that we've had on both podcasts and kind of what we've heard what we've learned that kind of thing so before we get started, uh, Zoe, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about the Care Insights podcast and find out a bit about you. Fantastic. Th- thanks so much. So I'm actually a nurse by background, um, started working in care at the age of 13. So it's in my blood, I, I would think. Um, <laughs> I trained to be a nurse um, and started working in the NHS, worked my way up very quickly to become a general manager in the NHS. And then my grandparents went into nursing homes and the care wasn't that good. And when they passed away, my mum and dad said, if we invest, couldn't you do any better and own your own? And I like a bit of a challenge. So I wrote a business case and purchased Valerie Manor. It was only about eight months later, actually, which was absolutely amazing. So I was the the registered manager and owner of the home. I lived on site for 13 and a half years, achieving outstanding in 2014. And then again in 2017, um, in four out of five of the Chloe's. Wow. Um, Yeah. So now I'm delighted to be a director of the OS and the Outstanding Society has been going since 2000. 2014, but we set it up as a community interest company um, in 2020, um, which was absolutely amazing. We started these podcast series just at the end of last year as we felt there was a gap in sharing and celebrating best practice, helping others to improve and raising the profile of careers in social care. We launched Care Insights with the Outstanding Society and have an out, have a waiting list of people wanting to be guests, which wow. is absolutely incredible. You know, people wanting to share what they do, which which is amazing. Some of the themes we have discussed has been research in, in social care, careers, which has been such a pleasure. It's been so lovely listening to different team members from across different organisations at different levels. Um, if, if we had all been on camera, you would have seen the huge mar- uh, smiles as we've been talking about the careers and, and their progress within social care. We've also covered things like evidence and inspections, leadership and much more. Um, In preparation for today, actually, I had a look. We've recorded 32 podcasts since the end of last year, which is amazing. Yeah. And they're quite sort of kind of short and snappy, aren't they? They are. Yeah. We try to aim for around 20 minutes for each each podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. That's that's really good. And, you know, really interesting to hear about your background as well. So we will be publishing this episode as a Care Insight um, podcast uh, on the Care Insight pod, uh, podcast platform. So if you're a regular listener to the Care Insight and not heard of the Care Exchange before, um, just, to, just to let you know that the Care Exchange podcast is produced by Skills for Care. Um, so myself, I'm Pierre uh, and Wendy, we are the hosts. Uh, we are in our day jobs uh, when we're not 
podcast host. We are locality managers for Skills for Care. Uh, I cover Kenneth Medway in the Southeast team. Uh, and before joining Skills for Care, I was a registered manager for about 15 years. So, as Pia said, I'm Wendy Adams um, and I'm a locality manager up in the northeast. So, I cover Tyne and Weir, Northumberland and Durham. Um, I suppose my interest in social care came from, from very early on, like many of us. I started working in social care at 16 while I was a student um, as a care worker in a, a, a care home. And I did many, many jobs across social care. I worked as a manager and then qualified as a social worker and then really moved into that learning and development because I was so interested in how we, we drive up that that good quality care that people provide and I guess from there it was a natural step really into working for Skills for Care so here I am. Here we are yeah so let's get started that's enough about us let's get started Um, it was really really difficult to pick out the clips I'm sure you had the same sort of issues so we heard so many great things and and we've had some amazing guests on on this series and and, you know there's so many had some really important things to to share and just uh, I suppose just start off by thanking everybody they've taken their time to to talk to us on both podcasts you know the more we share the, the better in social care fantastic i think as, as you say it's been really really difficult to, to pick out clips so i wanted to come back to it to wendy very quickly wendy i think you know you describe in your career within social care i think it really highlights that actually it's not just about being a carer it's not just be- about being a nurse there's so much opportunity within social care yeah absolutely um so we've decided to go with a couple of themes haven't we um sort of just uh just kind of trying to to kind of rather than the sort of kind of randomly pick things that we like we saw, sort of kind of went with a with a couple of themes so the the first theme that we're doing is or that we're going to think about is positive leadership and what makes a good leader so zoe um you've you've picked this one do you want to tell us a little bit about why Absolutely. I think positive leadership is crucial within our sector. I've always admired James Rycroft um, and his positive leadership skills. He's one of the founding directors of the Outstanding Society as well. I think without positive leadership, your your teams can't follow along the same culture. So that's why I picked this subject and, and James Rycroft. Right. So let's have a listen. So immediately, I would say leading by example and creating a culture that, uh, you know, is is simple, actually, and and, and is is based on kindness. I use that word and the industry use that word. I hope it doesn't dilute it. But that's really what we were all about. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I always think that that lead by example, it's so important when you're thinking about leadership, because... Uh, and I know it can be hard as a manager because every day, every moment you are at work, you are a role model for your for your workforce. And we all have bad days, but you kind of need to have that in your back of your head, don't you really? That, you know, people are looking at me and if, uh, I don't know, crisis happens, you need to lead by example about how how to, to deal with that and how to react because you, you, you're, people are going to model you. So, you know, if you are listening and if you are really kind of being um you know very open to feedback that's going to reflect on to everybody else isn't it in the team um 
Absolutely. And I think, I think reflecting back, um, just really powerful words, leading by example and the word kindness can, can mean so much. It obviously yeah. doesn't have to be complicated at all. There's also the other side of it, I would say, Pia. There's, there's the respect side. So it's not leading by example just in crisis. It's leading by example and getting back to basics. Actually, if, if a leader is on the floor being seen to do anything that they would expect their team to do as well I think that's really really powerful yeah absolutely I really liked what James said about kindness because one of the things that I talk to lots of managers about is about the values it within their staff team and how they treat the people that they provide care and support to but one of the things that I also talk to people about is that to create the right sort of workforce culture they should be treating their colleagues and their manager and their manager should be treating them with the same values. And I think what you often find, or certainly what I've found before as a manager is, you will have employees who are great with the people they provide care and support to, but actually not so kind, for example, to their colleagues or mm. to, their, to their manager. So I was really interested in what you said about kindness. And it reminded me a little bit of when we had Rosemary Pavoni on our podcast, the Care Exchange podcast, because she also talked about kindness um, and about how she thought that was really important, that managers were kind to their staff. And it was great that she used it, the same word in that as well. Yeah, let's, let's have, a, have a listen to that clip where she's talking about you know it was about knowing her staff wasn't it as well you know so let's let's have a listen to that I wonder I think it's about knowing your staff when we we talk about person-centered care we talk about it to our residents and their life before they came to us what are their interests what are their hobbies what's their lifestyle who their partners are who their children are and if we do exactly the same for our service users for our staff we get to know them as individuals and they get to know us there shouldn't be a barrier between us and them we're all working together we're all working in the same team we're all working for the same ends we may be different roles within our setting but we're all working to the same outcome so actually i don't think it's difficult to write in your diary when their birthday is i don't think it's difficult to to know when their children are having difficulties I don't think it's difficult to know if your staff's husband is is unwell I don't think it's difficult because if you see your your staff as a big family group extended family that is what you do for them so knowing and remembering their birthday knowing how long they've worked for you and recognizing if it's coming up to 10 years service I think I think that's a lovely clip. Um, we often say it's the simple, inexpensive things that are appreciated. I think Rosemary highlights these areas very well, and the things Rosemary describes comes back to James using the word kindness, doesn't it? I think I, yeah. I think that really, re- really highlights that. You're nothing without your team, and a happy team equals happy, well cared for residents. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and just you know. It's interesting that word kindness. Um, so we had a professional like Michael West on the compassionate uh, on the um, podcast talking about compassionate leadership, and I actually asked 
Michael, if compassionate leadership is about being kind? And he kind of said, no, it's bigger than that. It's it's much more than that. So I want us just to listen to that and maybe we can explore it a bit more of it, thinking about both both clips with both Michael and Rosemary. It is a little bit of a long clip, so bear with me. <laughs> have, have a sip of tea while you're listening. Well, it's maybe worth beginning by saying what compassion is. Um, you know, we, it's a word we use a lot. It's something that we understand, I think, implicitly or intuitively. But it's also the most important intervention there is in health and social care. We know from so much research evidence that the compassion of carers is the most important, if you like, tool they have in their caring. And what it basically involves, if I'm, for example, if you or Wendy was in pain or distress, then to be compassionate, I have to do four things. I have to attend understand, empathize, and help. And attending means being present with you. Nancy Klein talks about listening with fascination. Mm -hmm. Understanding means having a conversation with you to try to understand the causes of your pain or distress. Um, empathizing, of course, is feeling with you without making it my drama. Um, and that gives me the motivation for the fourth really important element of compassion, which is helping or serving the other person. So compassionate leadership is really the same behaviors. It's attending to those we lead, being present with them, listening with fascination, understanding the challenges they face, empathizing with them, particularly given the level of stress and work demands in social care, and then helping them. And in the context of leadership, compassionate leadership helping means helping those we lead to do their jobs more effectively by helping to remove the obstacles that get in the way, and by helping to ensure that they have the resources that they need, the right numbers of staff, the right equipment, and the right training, and so on. I really like Michael's focus on the, the, the listening aspect of that, because I think one of the challenges that we've got in social care is, particularly as managers, you become very good problem solvers because the problems are coming at you thick and fast and thick and fast. And actually we spend so much time having to react to stuff. We don't often have that time to step back and listen. Um, and I really like what Michael talks about, about that he almost breaks it down into those four stages and it almost puts that pause, that natural pause in, I think, for us as managers. I actually love this clip as it describes how research can be used in the sector and sometimes there are barriers to this in social care. Yeah. Bringing it back to the four key areas to attend, understand, empathise and help, I think makes it, it really quite basic. Um, to hear Professor West talk about compassion in the way he does, leading to better resources and support for teams, empowers the sector to improve continuously. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. One of the things that really I remember from our conversation with um, uh, my, Professor Michael West was, um, him talking about, as, as Wendy says, that listening, that really is the, the thing I remember. And I, I think about that a lot when I'm when I'm talking to managers about, you know, talking to them about, you know, really listen to your staff of what they're saying. And the other thing I remember him saying was about how um, just because, you know, because sometimes people, if there's a, if there's a, an issue um, that, that the manager can't resolve, Sometimes the natural instinct is, well, I, I won't talk about it. 
because um, I can't do anything about it. So it's better just to kind of, you're almost like burying your head in the sand. You know, you're, you're, you kind of just avoid talking about it. And he was saying, even if you can't, if you literally can't do anything about whatever the issue is, um, just ha- listening to people and really using all those four steps he just talked about when the, when the staff are, are talking about it makes the staff feel better because you they feel that you are on their side. You might not be able to do something about that particular issue. And obviously, as Wendy said, most of the time managers are, are absolutely um, problem solving and trying to solve problems, but there's some problems that we can't sort out. But actually having a manager that really, really listens to you and you know, are really present and really kind of try and 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 be there for the staff and understanding standing how the staff feel makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Um, so you had somebody else um, talk to you about culture because I think it's another important part of managing a team, isn't it? To ha- have a have a good culture. So um, why did you choose this particular clip? So Adam, he's he's very well respected within the sector, along with his work in the in the local care associations. James, the, the one of the directors of the Outstanding Society, really values his leadership skills, and so James actually invited him to discuss the topic further with us. Okay, it would be great to have a listen. How do you instill that that positive leadership within your whole organisation and within the care associations that you work with as well? Shut the door when I scream. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's just one of the main things is ensuring that um, I always think that culture is, a, is just a key part of what we do with organisations. I mean, I've always said that we don't, a lot of our teams, we don't run a care business. We run a, um, we run a people business. So if we've got people that are bought into what we're doing and they're excited and they're happy and they're treated well and they want to be there, they'll deliver positive change and positive care for vulnerable adults so that that that's lovely i think we all feel like shutting the door and screaming at times <laughs> we are we are human after all aren't we <laughs> oh dear um love I, that clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love the way adam says it's a people business i think that that speaks volumes in itself i agree with adam it's all about the culture of an organization and positive leadership instills this within those organizations yeah, it, it's difficult for managers, isn't it? Because I think culture is just, it, it's something that you can't touch. It's something that you can't learn a process to put in place. You've got to feel it. And I think you've also got to check out whether that culture feels the same for other people. Because you as a manager might think, wow, culture feels great. But actually, have you been asked your staff about what what the place the workplace feels like for them because i think as adam rightly said if people are coming to work and they're happy and it's a place where they enjoy being that will translate into the quality of care that they provide for the the people that they're providing care and support to and it really takes managers i think to take a step back and think about that um, and, you know, I suppose that's one of the things that you'd, we want managers to do after listening to our podcast today is just take that step back and think, what actually is the culture of our service? Um, and who could I ask to check that their view of it matches the same as the same as ours? Yeah. And particularly 
if you've got a, a, a bigger staff team, it's really hard sometimes to know what that culture feels like when you're not there. You know, if you're, you know, you, you know, most um, care providers, you know, provide a 24-hour uh, a day service, you know. So, you know, what what is it like on a Sunday afternoon when you're not there? What is it like on a Friday evening? You know, what what if you're home care or, or care homes? You know, what is that culture like out of hours? Is there different teams that, you know, there's always going to be, um, smaller teams within a within the bigger team, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think it's much more about are there all those teams? Do they are they functioning well? Are they all good team? Are they do they all have a good culture? Um, and I think when we um, talk to CQC colleagues, you know, they will often say they as soon as they walk in, they know if 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 there's a good culture. You know, or if they walk in and it's it's uh, you know it's not a good culture, and they they know straight away this is going to be an inspection where where I'm going to find issues because quality and culture just links, doesn't it? You know, they 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 go hand in hand. If you've got good culture, you can achieve anything. So even if you do have issues with uh, I don't know medication or, or what, whatever it is. If you've got a good culture, you you're gonna make improvements, aren't you? You're gonna you're gonna as a team resolve those improvements. But if you have a culture that's not good, then it's much harder to make improvements and implement and make them last, isn't it? Really, it is. I I love that analogy as well. And and you can. It's like as soon as you walk in the door of somewhere, it oozes that kind of happiness you can tell that the culture is is at the heart of of the whole team in everything that 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 people do yeah so i think wendy's right if you're listening to this just take a step back and think what's the culture like in my service and and who can i ask you know who are the people that i um that can ask and i think sometimes um asking the quiet person the one who perhaps isn't the loudest, it's, a, it's always a good, you know, having a conversation with a quiet person who perhaps um, will sit back and observe um, is always a good thing. It's not, not always the loudest person that's, that's right. I wonder if it could be something that, that teams could look into in, in the quality assurance questionnaires. Could they actually ask the question around what do you think our culture is or you know how do you visualize that so you're asking professionals relatives residents that might be quite interesting to hear that kind of feedback yeah absolutely um again the old conversation with professor michael west he he talked a lot about staff surveys um so he is um created uh, initially the nhs uh, staff surveys which has been running for many years and and because of his passion around compassionate leadership the questions being asked in the uh, nhs staff survey um are very much shaped around finding out what you know good cultures are is leadership compassion and those questions are available online just google them and you can change them to suit your service um he, he's professor. You say he's done research in, the, in this. Uh, so you know, there's there's a the, 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 they're, they're, they're not just random questions that he's just picked out when he, um, you know, while he was having a cup of tea. You know, they are kind of questions that are based on research. Um, 
talking about looking outwards um, and it's something that I feel really passionate about you know it's really difficult as a manager to um, you're so busy and you're just kind of doing the things you've got to do in your service and making to make sure there's a good service but it's really important to um, to look outwards um, and we had a number both had a number of guests that, that that's done that in various ways um, you know and and learning from others and learning about what's happening in 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 society that we can use as well i want to start just us listen to ben miller who was a guest on one of our, our episodes in this series so ben is a big fan of listening to podcasts both from social care but also leadership podcasts uh he also reads a lot of leadership books but i just want us to listen to what why why he does that and what he thinks that others can get from 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 doing that the resources that everyone needs in social care to improve any aspect of their of their, their setting, whether that's culture, leadership, recruitment, marketing, anything, it's out there and it's either free of charge or the highest cost is the cost of a book or a subscription to a, a podcast series or something yeah. or Spotify yeah. or something like that. Whatever you need, it's in there. And if you go into it with an open mind and a, a learning mindset, some of the things that I've learned and used to develop my skills as a leader since I started doing all of this has been, I'm a completely different person. Yeah. And I just think when you listen to, to Ben, um, he's really taken on, you know, so he will not just be listening to something or reading a book, but he then kind of takes it and takes the best bit, the bits that fits with really speaks to him or the bits that he thinks, well, this is going to make a big difference to my service, or I'm going to try something. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to test something. I've heard something, so I'm going to test it. It it just makes you evolve and and looking outwards and learning from others, whoever they are, and learning from others doesn't need to be another social care provider. To say he listens to a lot of leadership podcasts and and reads a lot of these books, it really makes you evolve as a leader. And, and and that's really important. We all need to learn and develop. Um, and I think that's, a, you know, a fantastic point. I think as well that some of the managers listening today might well be thinking, well, I've, I've got enough to do. When am I going to find time to listen to a podcast or read a book? Or, but I think it's about being creative with that, isn't it? You know, you listen to your podcasts, Pia, don't you, when you're cooking tea or when you're walking yeah. the dog? Or And I was talking <laughs> to a manager recently who said, oh, I pop the podcast. I pop the podcasts on when I'm driving home from work. Um, and it's, you know, it's still work related, but it, it, it's it's a little bit more lighthearted, gives me a chance to just wind down a little bit while I'm listening. So I think, you know, this doesn't need to be another task to be achieved. It's about how you can fit it in with some of the stuff that you maybe already do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that idea. I think there are there are lots of different ways and lots of different opportunities to listen to podcasts. I think it's a, a fantastic tool to use. I think Ben is such an inspirational speaker. He's a, he's admired by so many. His journey in social care is one to be very proud of. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of having Ben and some of his team members on Care Insights with the Outstanding Society as well. And you can hear the way Ben's leadership has such a positive impact on the team again it comes back to the culture doesn't it having somebody yeah. like Ben leading um, is really positive 
always looking at different ways of working, learning from others and, and sharing what you're doing as well. I think I think that's one thing that, that COVID brought is so much sharing and celebrating best practice, um, which, which I think has been really positive within the sector. There are so many other things that managers can do to look outwards. On the podcast, we had um, a whole theme on research in social care. I mentioned earlier the importance of research, and there are so many benefits of engaging with, with, with it within the sector. It would be fantastic to listen to Anne Walker's clip. There's so much positivity at the close with teamwork and being inclusive in everything that you do. How do you think as a team you can celebrate being part of such a positive project? So as a team, knowing that we're part of such valuable research, it, it just uplifts us on a daily basis. Um, it gives the team a sense of pride and, and understanding that they'll be able to utilise the most up-to-date data available in social care to improve their practice. By being involved, they feel valued, they feel important because they're to be included in something new to social care. Wasn't that great to hear from Anne from the close? Yeah. She reflects beautifully on what research means to everybody within the organisation. Some of the key words that I felt she said was, it uplifts us on a daily basis, fills us with pride and it makes you feel valued. How wonderful is that? Definitely. And I think it goes back to why a lot of us actually came to work in social care. You know, a lot of us came to work in social care because we wanted to make a difference. We wanted to make a difference to individual people's lives, but we wanted to make a difference to how social care and how the sector works and, and, and happens. And research is such a critical part of that, that I think if that was your motivation for coming into social care, being involved in research is such a an easy way to be able to say yeah I am making a real difference here yeah I, I think the thing is that um you know so if you'd asked you know three four years ago you know about research and social care there probably was some research but it wasn't that there wasn't that much research there's now so much interest in social care uh, from an academic point of view, there, there's so many different, in each area, there will be so many different research projects uh, popping up. And I think it's about taking advantage of the fact that, that there's a spotlight on social care and actually making sure that um, engaging in that, because you can, you know, if we're not part of it, they won't, they won't understand. And being able to use that research um, to make sure that, um, that we try new things, that new things are looked at in a different way and, and kind of being part of that, you know, as Anne said, you know, it, it, it's not just an additional task. It's going to be something that's going to benefit your team. It's going to be something that's going to benefit the people you're supporting um, because you're going to be trying a new practice or we're going to be looking at why do you do something? Is there a better way? You know, there's lots of different types of research. So it just kind of, I think it's really important to take the opportunities when they come your way. Um, I think as well, it's about professional credibility. You know, yeah. the health and the NHS is very research focused. They don't just yeah. decide, well, we're going to try this new drug on somebody, but we'll just go off and do it. It's all very tested and research and based on evidence-based practice. And I think if we want to have that parity with health, we almost need to be able to, to say, look, what we're doing has an evidence base to it. 
We're not yeah. just deciding randomly that this would be a great thing to do. There is clear evidence in the same way that there would be for a medical intervention. There's clear evidence that this improves the quality of, of people's lives. So I think it, you know, it raises the profile of social care into being something that, that actually is a, it's a profession, it's grounded in evidence. You know, this is not just a collection of, of people who want to make a difference, that it, it is founded in that, that evidence and good practice. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we need to maybe try and change the perception. It's not just, I think people see research as being very academic based. It's it's not. It's about the teams and, and residents, people, you know, within our care coming up with a question that actually they want answered. And then you work with the academics to go away and find, find the answers. Another reason I think to be involved in research is it can also show the CQC that you continue to improve, improve as a service. This can be evidenced across many of the quality statements. We actually had Tanya Kent talk about this in, in her podcast. So let's listen to Tanya. As we know, you have to show continuous improvements to sustain outstanding. How do you think embracing in research in your setting will help you? And in which Chloe's would you evidence this in? Well, to, to start that off, it will be evidenced in all Chloe's. Research itself, it can only be worth something to the home if you act upon it. So actually, the, especially this specific piece that we've been working on with Vivaldi, um, it will be evidenced across all the Chloe's. Um, looking at infection will enable patterns to be picked up, able to give us those trends, giving us informed knowledge of possible triggers, um, and also how we can almost prepare and proactively manage infection rather than reactively manage. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to, to hear. It's... It, some of the things that she's talking about in terms of CQC because you know obviously we don't we shouldn't do things just because CQC would want us to but where if you're thinking about research and you're you're talking about it earlier so you were sort of saying well you know this is a way of of, of asking questions and then researching the answer you know what is the answer to improve this particular whatever it is and obviously she's talking about something very specific there but it could be any any question couldn't it um and and you know you, i'm sure we all when we're working you're thinking well, well why do we do that or is there a better way of doing this you know to to, to, to have some research behind you really shows that continual improvement and absolutely secrecy is gonna you know you can you can use that for when you are inspected Absolutely. And it isn't Tanya amazing. She's, yeah. the, she's the manager of the, of the close care home who's, who has outstanding in all five of the Chloe's, which is something to be incredibly proud of. Again, it's the culture of the home. It's about continuous improvement. And not only are Tanya and her team involved in Vivaldi Social Care, two of her relatives are on the engagement and communication working group as well. Uh, and that, that goes yeah. to prove it's, you know, it really is outstanding work. Embrace yeah. and research with everyone within your organisation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really important to involve everybody. So it's not just something that you're kind of doing, you know, you're communicating it across and explaining you know this is this is really good that we're doing this we want everybody to be involved yeah absolutely really interesting and just I just think it's been so interesting to to listen to um, all the different episodes you've had on around research because I think it is an area that 
I think managers are still trying to get their head around and thinking about, well, is it something that I need to invest my time and, you know, completely get, you know, when you're really busy and somebody says, well, we need to do something else, you know, it can seem like an extra thing, but rather than thinking of it as an extra thing, it's much more about thinking of is this is part of my improvement plan, which, you know, we all have things that we want to improve on being part of research can be part of that improvement plan. So we're nearing the end of this episode. Um, one of the things that we've referred to a couple of times is about how busy everybody is. Um, one of our regular questions to all of the guests we have is we ask them the time to care tip. Um, so I think, Zoe, it would be a shame to end this series without um, putting you on the spot and asking you for what is your most time-saving tip? Oh, that's a difficult one because I, I struggle a lot with that as well. Um, I think for me, it might sound a bit strange, but it's it's trying to be strict with, with your working time. Um, I think actually, if you reduce your working time to be more focused, you're actually going to end up saving time and being more productive. Yeah, I think you're right. I think sometimes when you're and, and a good deadline, always... Yeah, it? that keeps your mind focused and you, you get on with it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been really interesting listening to the different clips and it's just so interesting how the two podcasts, even though obviously we've had different guests on, although we have had a couple of which, are, which have appeared on both, but in general we are very different guests, talked about lots of different types of themes, but there's been kind of the, these running themes of leadership, you know, thinking about how can you make improvements, those have sort of kind of been really a broad stroke, I think, across all the different episodes that we've both had in both series. So it's been really interesting listening to the clips that we, we picked today. And as I said earlier, you know, it, it, it was really tricky because we've had so many great guests on uh, both podcasts. But, you know, it's been really interesting um, and just really interesting to, to hear the similarities, but at the same time, the different different aspects of, of the things we talked about. I've, I've really enjoyed today, actually. And I think, aren't we lucky to work in social care and feel really, really privileged to be able to do these podcasts with, with so many different people? Um, I'd like to say a huge thank you to, to all of our guests um, that have been on our podcast. And I'm really excited about going forward as well. And thank you to, to, to Skills um, for all the support they give us. And it's wonderful listening to your podcast, too. Yeah, but thanks. So. I was just going to say what I love about the podcasts, both the Care Exchange and and your podcast, Zoe, is I love the fact that as a manager, you'd come away with something from every single one of them where you think, right, I'd think about that differently. Or actually, I am just going to take a few minutes to step back and think about that or how I could get involved in that. Or And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Very often we focus on learning and development and we think all learning takes place when you sit in a classroom and get a certificate for being there. And something like this is just such a, a nice way of being able to develop yourself, develop your service without having to do online training or go and sit in a classroom somewhere. Um, and that's what I love about the podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think things like, um, you know, if you've got a learning development 
you know, a CPD record for yourself as a manager, if you're listening to podcasts, you should be adding that to your CPD and, and putting how, you know, the, you know, I listened to this podcast and this is what I learned from it. And this is the changes I'm going to make to my service as a result. And we always, always said for the K exchange um, from the first episode that we, we wanted it to be that there was at least one thing that a manager would scribble down um, to other kind of, oh, I'm going to try that, or I'm going to think about that, or I'm going to step back and, and look at that a bit further. You know, that was kind of always one of our aims of the, of the podcast. So thank you for joining us, uh, Zoe. It's been so good uh, um, and, 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 a, and a great way to, uh, to, to get to listen to some of the great clips we've had. Um, if you want to listen to more of the guests and we've talked about a few of them, uh, you can find out uh, more of the episodes on the K-Exchange. Uh, you can find that on either on the Skills for Care website or in the, on whatever platform you're using to listen to podcasts if you already are. Um, the, skill, the Care Exchange will now take a break. So this is the last episode in the current series. We will be back in September. Um, so what's your plans for uh, the Care Inside? So I, I'm really quite excited after today what we might do because we've currently been having a break. So, so we might actually launch our, our next series with this podcast. Okay. Um, so I, th I think that that'll be a good start. We actually start recording podcasts again next week. Um, we've got our prove it or lose it um, um it, it was actually a panel discussion at the care show, which which we're going to release a, as a podcast too. So you can sign up. Um, membership is free to the Outstanding Society. All the 32 podcasts are available on our website. Um, we're actually going to be focusing on the new social care nurse and advisory councils, which is really, really exciting. Um, Deborah Sturdy has implemented these councils. You've got 42 nurses in social care chairing the new councils, which is absolutely amazing. And we've, we've, got lots of chairs to interview and lots of people that will be on those boards and there's going to be a lot of podcasts around Vivaldi social care we've had over 800 care homes on board and we're close to starting the 12-month pilot over the 12 months we can continue to onboard other care homes but there will be lots of podcasts around the research in social care yeah sounds great so listen out for both both those things um and thanks very much for listening to this special episode. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.